This is Agents Influence Podcast. Accountability is basically that you do what you say you're going to do, which is how you develop trust in the people that you work with. Everybody wants to be trusted. But one of the ways that you can foster accountability is by having data displayed in such a way that they know that they've been accountable. Oftentimes have goals that are too limited on just results. You can foster the same sense of accountability if we talk insurance here. Every time you meet goals on those leading indicator activities, you're going to stoke that sense of accountability. And the thing about intrinsic motivators is that the more you feel them, the more you I'm Jason Cass, and we're going to help you think differently, change your agency, change your finances, change your family, and in the end, we're going to change an industry. Let's go. Hey, 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 loyal listeners, how are you? Welcome to another episode of Agents Influence Podcast, conversations with who? Me, Jason Cass, and I am here today with Seth Preuss, and I tell you what, I think this is going to be an interesting one. Um, I'll do all side note here. This is actually the second time we've tried to record this uh, because the first time there was just too much awesomeness. Um, no, actually, we didn't have a good Wi-Fi signal. Um, so now we're back because we do, we just thought like this is going to be so incredible. The last thing we want to do is have uh, me skipping out a couple times or him due to our voice. But anyways, God love technology and we're going to get on. Um, with this, before I do, the one thing I do want to tell people is to go check out WeGotYourPodcast.com. WeGotYourPodcast.com. That is something that uh, is pretty cool. We've got now eight podcasts that we're doing. Ryan Hanley, David Carruthers, uh, MP Local. We are doing, I mean, once again, eight of them. Um, got two on the horizon. Uh, and uh, I just look forward to it. If you want to create a niche inside of your industry, which is insurance industry, and you want to tr- create a niche inside of it, there's no better way to get your pod to get your num- name out there and build authority than with podcasting. We got your podcast.com. We got your podcast.com. Seth, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing outstanding. How are you, Jason? I'm doing good, man. Now, where I think I think we're going to be able to make this uh, work this time, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to get to that story, uh, uh, you know, uh, of where you were and stuff like that, because that's going to let us know about who you are. Um, but in the meantime, are you ready? I am ready to go. Are you an iPhone or are you a Droid user? I am a reluctant iPhone user. Reluctant. I like that. And why would you say that? Well, it, I was a Droid user, and uh, years ago, I'm a huge music buff. Years ago, there was an upgrade to Spotify. And uh, Samsung refused to implement a, a fix uh, to their to the Spotify application, and so I couldn't use Spotify. So I was really? so curious that I got rid of my uh, Samsung and switched over to Apple. Then you know my wife gets an Apple, my daughters get Apples, and now I'm like inextricably tied yeah. to this Apple universe. <laughs> You're right about that. You are right about that. You are right about that. There's goods and bads of it. it drives me nuts. But um, what's the last app you downloaded? TikTok. TikTok. Yeah. Oh, yeah. TikTok. I know that's funny coming from somebody my age, but TikTok is, I think it is, well, usually I rank social media apps in, in order of terribleness um, rather than how good they are. But that's a good way to do it. I really think TikTok is the least terrible of the bunch. Uh, it's, it's where you're seeing some of the greatest creativity from people mm. of all ages and all over the place. And I love how they, uh, drive content on that app where it's not so heavily favored towards influencers 
you know, your regular people are able to get content that goes viral. And that's why it's so incredibly entertaining. No, you are right about that. You, it doesn't, I mean, it sounds silly, but it's awesome. Part of it is you can make the silliest video as a dad with a dad bod in your, in your driveway and dude, it'll get 500,000 views and people will say, well, those are fake, but it's not, it's just cool. And you know that you've been one of those people watching these damn videos over and over. One thing that you said, Seth, that I think people are missing the boat on here is creativity. Mm -hmm. The creativity that it allows you to do, like I, that's why we get sucked into it, right? Because you're like, wow, that was really interesting. And then you watch somebody else do the same thing, but their way, you know, and right. you're like, wow, this is, this is really cool. And the other thing that's nice about it and we don't think about it is you don't get bombarded with ads, right? right? Yeah. I mean, goodness gracious, LinkedIn, Facebook, I mean, oh, it's crazy. It's absolutely wild. TikTok, man, that's uh, that's great. <laughs> also shows that you have uh, younger ones in the house, right? Yeah, exactly right. That's right. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Have you made any TikToks with the daughters? Um, I have photobombed their TikToks <laughs> on numerous occasions, trying to see if I can slip one by and get it posted without them noticing what I've done <laughs> in the background. <laughs> but I'm probably actually going to launch my own TikTok account. You know, I mean, you've heard of Gary Vee. We talked about this a little bit. Correct. Uh, something he said about, uh, you know, initially when Facebook came out, it was just for college students, you know, and then uh, when Instagram came out, it was just for narcissistic girls. Uh, and uh, we saw how those both changed into something that's far broader. I mean, now you've got audience with a presence on both of those. I think TikTok is probably going to follow that same pathway. So I'm actually figuring out how I'm going to go about it, but I am getting ready to launch my own TikTok account. It won't be doing funny dance videos. Um, it'll be more focused on the things that I normally talk about, but I think that because there are so many funny da dance videos on TikTok, that, uh, content that's a little bit different is, is going to have an audience there as well. You know, and I, and I, and I applaud those, those social media platforms that did that, that get, became different, right? Um, in my opinion, the first real different one was, um, was Snapchat, right? Mm -hmm. Because everything before it was like MySpace, it was Facebook, it was Twitter, you and LinkedIn, you had these feeds, right, that you would just feed through. And I think that was such the shock and awe of, of, uh, of Snapchat was it wasn't that, right. that flip through, you know, it's watching my son just take a picture of the air so that he can like type on it. Right. Like right. they just take pictures. So that's how they do it. And you're thinking to yourself like who, and, and yes, it, you know, it allowed you to send pictures that would be deleted and stuff. And we all know that, but like how many people now use it and don't use it for that purpose? Oh, it's right. not that big of a deal. Right. It's right. like, um, and, and, you know, and that's uh, kudos now that I, that we're talking about this kudos to Snapchat, to be able to remove themselves from that. Right. You don't want your, your, it, it, it's like, it's like, um, oh, what's, what's that dating app? Uh, uh, Tinder. The Tinder. It's mm -hmm. like Tinder. You can't, they can't get away from the fact that <laughs> I just can't see in five to 10 years about Tinder being like a serious dating site. Right. Mm -hmm. They just kind of played into that now. Oh, that's yeah. who they are. And, and Snapchat almost got wrangled into that as well, but they got outside of it. And to be honest, I have to say Snapchat is a very, very interesting platform. I don't really use it because my friends don't use it, but I watch my son use it and mm -hmm. it's really, really interesting. I do wish somebody like a Droid or Apple would buy them and put them as the messaging service. 
Like, I mean, you can send videos easily. All the stuff that I can't do inside of my regular messenger app, they can do. And it's like, why is someone not instituted this same thing right here? So I don't know. Anyways, okay. We really got off on that, but that was (laughs) good. That was good. That was good. Do you love to win or do you hate to lose? Yeah, that's a great question. I know that the, the it probably sounds better if you say that you love to win, but I have given much thought to this over the years, and I think that I am often driven by fear. And uh, and, and I know that that maybe sounds completely contrary to everything that True. I talk to people about, but I'm I'm just being honest about how I am. And so I'd probably say that I'm I'm it's more of a, a fear of losing. Wow. Yesterday afternoon, a friend of mine named Wesley Anderson, we had a very good conversation about fear and hope mm-hmm. and, and how right now the thing in our society is, is everything is so driven by fear, which yeah. is not negative or which is not a bad thing, but can be overly negative oh, yeah. if it's used in, this, used in the wrong way. I said it. Now, this is a conversation that we had, and and I'd be interested to have you uh, uh, keep in mind, loyal listeners and Seth, that this has to do with leadership. This does Mm -hmm. not have to do with politics. Okay, I just need to state that. But we were talking about, you know, we can talk about a lot of the issues we're having right now um, as a country. And you can say it's this. You can say it's that. You can say it's this. At the end of the day, to me, it comes down to leadership. Right. It comes down to having leadership in what we're doing. And I believe that our president has his goods and has his bads. Okay. I'm not, once again, this isn't political, but in this little sector of, of what we're going through with COVID, it's so led by fear. I believe leadership is really, really needed right now. And leadership is somebody who gives hope, right? Leadership doesn't take a conspiracy theory and kind of throw a little gas on it. Leadership says, no, let's get transparent. Let's get out in front of this and let's explain to the people why this is the way and why it's not why they're thinking, right? That's what leadership does. And I, and I think that there's my point of this whole thing was, is we need more hope because the positive is of it, but you are right. We're more led by fear as humans than anything. And I think people who don't try to recognize that are just putting their head in the sand. What do you say about that, Seth? Yeah, that, that's exactly right. It's it's not like it's something that you advocate for, you know, and saying that this is, is something that you should let drive you. But mm-hmm. if you're honest with yourself and and what makes you tick, then you're much more likely to be able to to deal with that. So if it is problematic, mm-hmm. if you have certain parts of uh, what motivates you that that you know is problematic, it's so much better to be aware of it uh, because right. you can actively create structures or take actions, et cetera, to, to counteract that and to move you in a more positive direction. Um, this, I myself have openly admitted that I am not a naturally optimistic person. So even though I've spent all my time talking about motivation, my mind is not necessarily rigged the way that you hear all these motivational speakers talking all the time is about being positive, being enthusiastic, et cetera. That is not my natural state of being. Uh, so it has been, extremely important for me to understand what really is motivation. Is it just getting excited? Is it really just what you think? Or is there more to it than that? And I've discovered there is quite a bit more to it. So that even people who maybe struggle a little bit with deliriously positive thinking can still get ahead just as effectively as somebody who's who's very positive. So, uh, you know, I think it's, it's a nuanced issue. 
Yeah, it is. And you know, it's just like anything else. You can't fix the problem if you don't know what the issue is. And it's not to say that you have a problem of being negative or I have a problem of being negative in our head, but it's just recognizing what's motivating me, but what also can hold me back, right? Exactly. So you can use that thing for both ways. So we'll get into that because it has some of the stuff to do with what you what you want to talk about. There's two things in the world that got you to where you are. Let's in Jason Cass's world. One was skill and one was luck. What got what was the main, that was the main factor in where you are today? Definitely not luck. In fact, um, I, I, I'm, I'm to the point now where I believe that I've gone through such a long period of struggle that I'm due for some serious luck. I mean, <laughs> I, I really believe that. Like, I think it's right around the corner. I think these things are just going to start falling in place. I mean, uh, and you know, the skill part of it, I think that I think that's a big part of it. Grit combined with skill so the ability to get knocked down and keep getting back up uh, i definitely think that's a part of it i think many people would have quit long before i did um in getting to where i am uh and then along the way because you do keep getting uh, back up you do gain some skills along the way and so i would definitely say for me it's skill but i'm looking forward to that luck it's i am too I am too. Uh, yeah. And I have to say, I think I have a very uh, good luck streak. I, I don't know why. I think some people have it more than others. And, 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 and then in that, in that, and that luck, that luck also varies, right? Like I'm never the person that wins at the chamber of commerce door raffle, right. but you just have those people. They win oh, all yeah. the damn time, you know, right. and it's like, what's going on here? You know? So anyways, just, just funny stuff. Take us back to high school. Uh, you know, college, wherever. Where were you born? So I was actually born in Germany. Um, it's kind of a funny story because I'm I'm 46 now, and I didn't realize until about two years ago that my parents went over to Germany specifically to have a free baby. Uh, really? Yeah, apparently they didn't want me to know that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you could have a baby for free in Germany. And my my dad, he's a, a Lutheran pastor. And uh, he was, he wanted, he's, he's fluent German, uh, fluent Norwegian, a bunch of languages. And he wanted to study over there anyways. So they kind of killed two birds with one stone. So I, I was only there for a couple of weeks before we came wow. back to the United States. But yeah, it's kind of a funny story where I was born. Just, just curious, because hmm? I'm ignorant, but do you have a German citizenship because of that? Do they have the same law in their state or in their yeah. country? You know, I had the opportunity to have dual citizenship and I didn't take it largely because I think the opportunity expired when I was, I think it was like 18. I might be wrong about that, but I think it was pretty young. And uh, I now wish that I'd had more time to consider that because why not have more options? Yeah, no, no, no. There's, I know friends that have multiple dual citizenships and it works to their advantage and never to their disadvantage, you know? Yes. It, It really does. Yeah. Um, wow. Interesting, dude. That's, um, there was something I was going to ask there. You said that, so they, so they moved there. That's, uh, that's interesting. Now, let me ask. So at this point in time, one of the things that I learned from you last time we talked, um, before we had to, uh, re-record this loyal listeners, we tried to do this before and he was in the mountains and bad reception and stuff. But one of the things that you told me, which blew me away is your great grandfather or your grandfather, one of the two, uh, was the mayor, or the mayor, the governor of Minnesota. Am I right about that? Yeah, that's correct. He was, he was an unusual guy. He was the insurance commissioner for, uh, the state of Minnesota by the time he was 26 years old. Whoa. Uh, then he worked his way up, was elected uh, governor of the state. Um, he bought a bunch of 
property or was given, I'm not quite sure, but uh, we have about 300 acres on the Canadian side of the Canadian US border in Minnesota. No roads, no electricity. Um, you have to take a boat to get there. Uh, so he he had that property, you know, I guess it was probably back in the 1940s or something. And, um, and our whole family, uh, there's like, I have 50 cousins or something like that on one side of my family. We've all been going up there for generations. So, Sweet. yeah, it's a wonderful thing. He also, interesting um, point about him, he he founded uh, a company called Lutheran Brotherhood, which merged with AAL, and that company is now called Thrivent. So he, wow. he, he founded half of what today is Thrivent. Okay, so, so um, all right, so I got a lot of questions here. Um, so you said uh, uh, roughly when was he governor? I, you know what? This is so embarrassing that I don't know. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's I mean, cool. It's, in 20s, 30s, 40s? It like the 30s or 40s. I, I, I didn't know this because my dad. It would have been probably late 40s, early 50s. Okay, so this is your dad's side. That was my question. Correct. This yeah. is your dad's side. Okay, so then goes back then to your dad being with uh, a Lutheran pastor kind of, yeah. right? This is yeah. all kind of correlating through. Yeah. Right. Uh, they've been Lutheran pastors for, uh, I think, over 150 years. So they came from Norway originally, oh. and I, then I, I guess I broke the chain. Um, I was the first of the next group. <laughs> Never had any interest in going into the ministry. It just wasn't my thing. Uh, but uh, I have, uh, I have like six or seven uncles that are pastors. I've probably got fourteen cousins, fifteen cousins. Oh wow, this is um, a major thing in your family. Yeah. That is interesting. It's a family business, essentially. Gotcha. Wow, that is cool, dude. That is cool. That is that is, that uh that is really really cool. Great great history and uh you know, it uh that's awesome. Awesome stuff. Um so so you were born there. We got all through that. Now take us, you know, high school college or whatever. Bring us forward. Give us a, let us relate to who you were and who you are now. Sure. Yeah. I, I moved through uh 10 different states in my life. My uh pastors can either stay put if they'd like to or they can move. My dad liked to move. Uh, I lived. I lived in Australia on two different occasions. My uh, parents actually sent me when I was 14 years old back to Australia to live with a family uh, that I had met there the first time by myself. So I, I lived with a host family in Australia for six months um, when I was 14 years old. Wow. Um, went ended up going. Started out in at high school um, outside of Chicago in a city called Oak Park. Moved halfway through to Colorado Springs. I just loved Colorado Springs. That was a really good change for me. I, I, I wasn't fond of, of Oak Park. Um, that's where I met my best friend, who's also my business partner today. He was my next door neighbor. Um, and uh, then I went to college at Xavier University in Cincinnati, which is where I met my wife. Um, I quit school halfway through with a full tuition scholarship and a 3.9 GPA so that I could sell vacuum cleaners door to door, uh, which is like, I like to say proof that you can be really smart and really stupid uh, at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I'm dying over here. Oh, wow. Yeah. It, it was, yeah, I can't, I don't know. I sometimes wonder at my decision-making, but the, the interesting thing is that that did serve as a foundation. So I, I like to tell people almost everything in your life seems to come back to you. And so even though, you know, that probably wasn't the best decision, 
um, that experience had a lifelong impact on me, both from understanding, starting to think a lot about motivation, because that's when I started listening to motivational speakers, you know, Tony Robbins and uh, Zig Ziglar and, and all these other things that I, I started realizing that I didn't necessarily agree with everything that they said. Um, but, and then also I learned the fundamentals of sales. I mean, you're selling vacuum cleaners door to door. The only Dude. reason that I was able to do this is because I was, I started when I was 18. I just didn't realize how terrible a job that is because there's, I mean, it is not a good job. You get threatened all the time. You, you, you know, I would be doing a demo back then I had hair. I was a good looking guy, you know, so I'd be in the middle of a demo and a, a jealous husband would come home and wonder why I'm in his house alone with his wife, you know, and, and yes, there's vacuum cleaner parts, and dirt all over the place, et cetera. But still, there was a really, really awkward and sometimes frankly, kind of dangerous situations that you'd end up in. I bet. But it was an, an absolutely wonderful experience because it, there is nothing more fundamental than showing up to someone's house who does not expect you be able to get into their house, show them something that they didn't need before you got there and then get them to buy it 45 minutes after you got there. And it cost back then over $1,500. Right. I don't think the nugget of knowledge of what you're talking about can be explained because it's so powerful. And what you said was, it's so amazing how things come back to you, you know? Um, and, 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 and if they don't even come back to you, sometimes amazing how, amazing how we find them through another, uh, through an attraction, right? Of being attracted to it and not even realizing, you know, um, I want to stop here for a minute. I want to talk about this because there's something here that I have said for a long time and it goes along to the core of what you're talking about here. How I got into insurance was I sold um, windows. Right? Okay. Uh -huh. Okay. So not as tough because I just wasn't showing up to someone's door and saying, Hey, you need windows. Right. But they right. would be doing cold calling and then they would send me three hours away and I would be knocking on a door of somebody I didn't know and had to talk them into it. And I would drag all my windows in the house, you know, and I'd be in there. They say, if you got in there for like two to three hours, you were going to sell windows. Right. right. And and so I want to talk, though, you said something that's so important that we can learn from as business people. You didn't know any better. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. I was the number one salesperson out of 14 salespeople for the first six months. I remember coming home, my loyal listeners, if you've been a loyal listener for a long time, you know I told this story years ago. I remember I came back to my wife. I didn't have any education whatsoever, and she was my, was my wife at the time. I walked in the door. I had, that was my, like my third row of being number, third month in a row of being number one salesperson, only been doing it for three months. And I got this big bonus check. And I remember saying to her, I remember saying like, honey, I'm, I've really found what I'm good at. Like I'm really freaking good at this, you know? So I'm good at this sales thing. That's not the point. The point was, is around six, eight, nine months later, my sales started falling off yeah. and I was doing the same thing. I didn't know what was going on. And what I realized was, is I got away from what they taught me, right? Because what happened, I started getting told no. And mm -hmm. then I would start realizing, no, no, this is stupid. And then I realized after a while, dude, you're selling freaking windows, bro. <laughs> yeah. Right. And then my sales stuttered. Yeah. It was the fact that I was blind to what I was doing. I was just putting my best foot forward and telling these people what I had been trained and it worked. But the smarter I got, the less it worked. That's kind of what you're saying over there when you when you had this issue with your vacuum. Am I wrong or right? Oh, you're dead on. Uh, Isn't that crazy? Yeah. That's wild. And it, it was very common in Kirby to have the new sales reps always just hit it out of the park. 
And then they would start to, it's the, the constant exposure to negativity would start to just chip away at your confidence and chip away at your resilience. And over time, it would destroy you. And it was only those sales reps who had figured out ways to effectively stay focused on the good parts of the business and just completely ignore because uh, it's extreme in, in I, I mean, it's time after time after time and you're face to face. They're looking at your eye into your eyes. You are often seeing the contempt in their face when they look at you. It's rough. But when you start, you don't pay attention to any of that. You're so focused on doing a good job and, and mm -hmm. getting in the house that it doesn't impact you. So there's a, I'm, there, I don't believe there's any kind of magical trick in order to, to fix that because I'd be outstandingly wealthy if I could figure sure. out a way that you could get people to stop that negativity from destroying your enthusiasm in a business that mm -hmm. you're good at. But you're, you're, you're exactly right. But Seth, as you're going through it, you don't realize that that's being chipped away, no. right? You just you, you are the um, you're the frog in the warm warming water, right? You don't realize that this is chipping away, and then all of a sudden you're like, "How come I'm not the number one guy anymore?" Yeah. You know, and who am I losing to? As you just said, the new guys and girls that were coming yeah. in, and it was just like because they were oblivious, and it's like. Like you said, if there was a magic pill or there was something that you could do, but there is something that we can focus on there to say, you know, as salespeople, if we're starting to go through it, one thing I always learned was Jason, you know, I had this book I had to go through as I was selling and I would go and I would explain every page. I started realizing that after six or seven months, I didn't even get the book out anymore. Oh yeah. I didn't, I didn't go through the pages because I was too smart. Right? right. I didn't need to do that. You know? And then all of a sudden I had gotten so far away from what I'd been told, the negativity just ate me up. But if I would have stayed focused, as you said, there was a reason why they taught me to say this every time, because it would kind of keep the negativity at bay or would make you convinced that they don't know what they're talking about. My company does. But after a while you started realizing, yeah, that is so important. I, Oh, I've talked about this with my friends so many times that sometimes we get too smart. And then when we get too smart, then that's when stuff starts to get messed up. How many times have you had discussions with other insurance agents where they're lamenting the fact that production's down, they're not doing as well as they, they used to, and you start digging in and they start saying things like, well, I used to do this and I used to do that. And mm -hmm. for whatever reason, they're not anymore. I mean, there's usually a pretty clear relationship between those things that you're doing and the results that you get. And Correct. you know, if those results have changed, the first place to go is not to start blaming the market or blaming that the company's changed things or the industry's gotten harder. It's to say, but, but what am I doing? What am I doing right. now or not doing now, which is more often the case. Seth, let's talk about something. This is good stuff. You watched the uh, last dance. The have you seen the last dance I, documentary? I, it's with on my list when I finish what I'm watching now, but I know, yeah, I know. It's Dude, me too, me too. I was late to it last mm -hmm. night. I just finished the the last one, and 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 this isn't obviously giving anything away. You know right. what it was, but right. one of the things that one of the things that they said this was very very interesting to me. I can't. I'm so glad we're talking about this. I have you on to talk about this. They talked about all these things that Michael Jordan did, and da 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 da. But one of the things that they really hit on for about five minutes that they really focused on with Michael was, is that he lived in the moment. Mm -hmm. He wasn't a person who lived in the past 
and that is what stops us from our future, as they say, is because we're bringing up those bad things from the past to predict our future, because we're our our fear of loss, right. as you talked about, you know, before that that's a, that's too big of a factor for them. So, what was amazing is how he always lived in the moment, mm -hmm. and I don't think people quite understand that in the fact that they were living in the moment. And I think that's what we do when we're new salespeople. Yeah. We're living in the moment because we don't have the past to project. So we're living in that moment. And that was what made him be who he was is he didn't care about that. Well, he did care about that loss before, but today was a new day and he was going to start here and then build forward. And you got to see that how he built the three, three Pete or the mm -hmm. three or the two, three Pete's is that it was, it wasn't a constant of what he uh, what he had left two two years ago. It was who what he was building now and going forward. And I really, really thought because I've heard people say before that successful people live in the moment. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we really truly understand. But if you're a loyal listener and you're watching or you're going to watch that, really, really pay attention to that. They talk about that in the last episode because you really look at it and you're like, okay. That's what they mean by living in the moment. Like you're there, you're present, you know, you're not thinking in the future. You're not thinking in the past. When it's time to go, you're there. Anything that you say about that? No, I, I completely agree with that. I mean, it's, it's the moment where you're shaping the future. Dwelling on, on or worrying about the future isn't going to have any impact on it whatsoever. And mm -hmm. Letting what's happened to you in the past, you can learn from what you, from experiences that you've had in the past. Absolutely. Uh, but when you start to say that things aren't possible in the future because of your experiences in the past, you're doing the opposite of living in the moment. I mean, living in the moment is very much about looking at what are what is the environment that you're in today and mm -hmm. making proper decisions based on that environment. It's changing all the time. And so one of the things that I talk about quite a bit is that you often have to learn and unlearn. You have to ask yourself, is the way that I'm doing things right now, is that still the best way to be doing them right now? Or mm -hmm. am I just relying upon the way that it used to work? And I mean, good grief, look at what just happened recently. People, those those people who are like, I'm, I'm the guy, I'm not one of those Zoom guys. I don't do Zoom calls. I do everything face to face. Okay, whatever. You know, I mean, maybe that is a great way to do it, but you didn't have that choice anymore. If, if, if you didn't figure out a way to live in the moment, you're done. Uh, normally, it's not that dramatic, but but you're you're absolutely right. Hello, loyal listeners. Hey, are you a local agent struggling to find markets for your client? Maybe you, maybe not. Look no further than Nation Brokerage Solutions. With over 200 carriers, their comprehensive options give you what you need for your customers' ever-changing needs. With NBS, as they say it in the cool world, you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and grow your business, AK Agency. Don't settle for less. Do more with NBS. For more information about Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, visit nbsbrokerage.com. Cast Certified. You know, one of the things that I, I'm trying to, it's, I'm going to mispronounce his name, which is Michael, uh, please, uh, people out there are going to get me, Foucault, F-O-U-C-O-U-L-T. And he was a philosopher that wrote, and he, he wrote The Madness of Civilization and the Order of Things. And one of the things that I really liked, I was listening to a podcast called Philosophy this, uh, the other day, and, it's, and, and how I know you're right is exactly what they said 
as this was just a thought, but a lot of people picture time as linear, like a linear timeline, right? And we have the past and we have the present and then we have the future. You're exactly right. And what this person was writing is, is he said that time is not linear. Time is what we are in now. Like literally the past, the present, and the future is all happening at one time. And that's where I think you're so right on, Seth, because you said it's at that one time we have to determine as we go, like multiple times through the day, is that still good even because I encountered that in the past and is my future, how's that going to affect my future? Is that an important thing that I need to be focusing my time on to get the best out of my future? And so I think he's right there that this is all happening at one time, this past future present and future. I know that's a little bit too much too deep for a lot of the people out there who don't like that stuff, but I like philosophy and I um and that was something in the in the order what is it the order of things. He wrote that in 1966. It was very very interesting mm -hmm. that he put it that way. I had never I had always thought of time on linear. And I'm not saying that it's not, but it was a different way of thinking about it. So Yeah, it's um, fascinating. Yeah, it is very fascinating. So, so Seth, let's here we are, thirty minutes into this. Oh my gosh, I think tell you what, this has obviously been a good one because time's been flying by, by pretty fast. So, so Seth, tell us about um, a little bit about more about you and how I found out about you. Uh, you are the founder of Myvation. That's correct. Okay, tell us what this is. So, yeah, so I started out. Um, my, I started out. I guess where it really mattered in my career, working for Rob Kraft, the guy that owns the Patriots, for a startup. Um, I was the sixth employee uh, to a company that was about to go public. Um, we were estimated to have a 3.5 billion valuation. Um, Come on. On opening day, which took me years before I understood how big that number was. I would have been worth about three and a half million dollars when I was 25. Um, the day before we were supposed to go public, we had Goldman Sachs taking us public, was the market crash of 1999. And it just evaporated. Oh, shit, so the bubble. I left uh, with about 10,000 bucks instead of 3.5 million. Went to work for a technology consulting company called Accenture. Uh, was there for a couple of years. And then a buddy of mine uh, who is in uh, insurance, he and he's an executive at a large insurance company today. He was making almost as much money as I was, but he had way more free time. And that's something I really value is, is freedom, autonomy. So I, I made the jump. Uh, uh, Took over an insurance agency in Arizona and I'm um, st st still doing that today in addition to Myvation. But Myvation was born out of the needs of insurance agencies. Uh, when I was a trainee, I had to fill out documents to say what I was doing, what my production levels were. And I, with my tech background, I immediately improved all those documents and word got out about these and they spread around my group and then through the state of Arizona, then across the country. And finally, I decided, you know what? It's taking a lot of time. Let's form a company, turned it over to my business partner to run and my wife actually. And uh, they're still running the company today. That company, Myvation, now specializes in productivity tools. So it's like, who's doing what? What are you making on it? Where are you losing money? Um, but the real, the real claim to fame on these products is how do you get people to do a little bit more? So we spend a lot of time thinking about the psychology behind sales, um, the psychology of working in a team. Um, how do you prevent uh, present information in such a way that somebody makes a decision on their own that I want to do something more than I was going to do beforehand? Um, and so you can do that in a variety of ways. You can do that by using extrinsic rewards, which are things like money, recognition, or you can use it by tapping into intrinsic rewards, which are the things that uh, drive somebody. I, I like to uh, phrase it this way. Extrinsic rewards are things that you want to have. 
intrinsic rewards are who you want to be. And correct. You know, it's that second part where companies can really, really. Michael Jordan uh -huh. was in, Michael Jordan was interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Those intrinsic rewards are much stronger um, because they're they're defining who a person really is, and they don't. Here's the great thing, and I always preach this message to companies: is they don't cost any money. I mean, if you can figure out how to tap into those intrinsic rewards, they're coming from within that person. You don't have to. You don't have to pay them to get them to. Right. You know, one of the things that I've thought about, man, gosh, this is so awesome that I that it seems like this is the difference between MJ and LeBron. And I'm really not even a huge NBA guy. It's just something that's been in my brain. But the difference is, is the intra is the intrinsic and the extrinsic. Edge extrinsic. LeBron wants the championships because he wants to be like MJ and have six. As right. opposed to MJ never wanted to have six. He just knew that if he didn't get it, he would be upset with himself because it was more about self-serving that I'm the greatest and I know I'm the greatest and I'm going to prove to everybody I'm the greatest just because – I am right, exactly. and it wasn't, and 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 but LeBron, he doesn't have that. He does, you know, because he's an athlete. I think all in, in, athletes have this unbelievable interest. But it was the eccentric, and I've never in my life heard or read about those words until two nights ago when I heard it on the Last Dance, and I stopped and I went to my phone and I was looking those up. And I am about blown away that you bring this crap up right now. I mean, I mean, isn't that how it is? Yeah, like, I've funny. never heard those words in my life. And now here it is right here. And you just brought them up. And and after I read that on Google, I thought to myself, okay, the difference between LeBron and, and MJ is this. It's a deep down, I don't care about the rewards. I don't care about the notoriety. I'm the best. And I think Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali, you know, he wanted to be the greatest, but I think that was his only way that he could convince himself what he knew and was going to be able to reward himself. Dude, that is awesome. So you teach people how to tap into that side rather than the goals, ambition, and other things like that. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, if you if you use both together, it works the best. But most yeah. in most businesses, it's all extrinsic money. What do I have to pay you? What does the comp plan look like? You know, and I've, I've seen such ridiculous, I've seen compensation plans that stretch out over 12 pages. Uh, I mean, it's just lunacy where you're spending so much time on thinking that you can create an equation to control uh, human behavior. And it just doesn't work that way. And then they ignore the things like that people actually want to help other people. And they, it's amazing what there was a study that, that showed that people were more likely to stay late to help a coworker hit a goal, an important deadline than they were to stay late to hit their own deadline. So there's a there's a this strong need wow. to matter to others and to help others. We ignore all that and we just go back to the dollars. This is what you get. Right. Do you think that because of that, those things could be the difference between somebody having a job and why they maybe have side hustles? Right. I'm thinking of myself right now. Like my agency is providing me a lifestyle I never could have had. Right. Deep, deep down inside, I just love the fact that I think I'm good at it. And I like to teach other people. I could do that for free. I mean, oh, yeah. I just love doing that, right? But on the other side, 
I'm not doing this insurance gig for free. I mean, there, there, there's too much that I have to put up with to do this thing for free. So I wonder, is is that where maybe side hustles and passions for something other than what somebody is doing for a living? What do you say about that? Is that wrong way to look at that? No, you just nailed it. I, 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 in fact, I use that kind of example quite a bit. It's like, if you won the lottery and you never had to worry about money, would you keep doing the same job that you have today? Uh, the answer for a lot of people is is no, but you'd you'd keep doing this podcast. I would, I really would. I would still do agency intelligence. I would sell my agency, no doubt. Yeah, but I would do this. Yeah, because that's a passion of yours. You get enjoyment. Money can bring you pleasure and enjoyment, but it's not it's not everything. And that's right. What a lot of what I talk to to businesses about is how do you and there are ways that you can do this. How do you take people in an industry that maybe that you has a lot of individuals who haven't discovered that passion yet. How do you take them through a career path where they do get passionate about that industry? So it's not about trying to find your side hustle. How do you get to a place where you have been able to direct your pathway through an industry or through a company so that before you know it, you look around and you're like, you know what? I really like this job. I'm good at this. I'm better at this than anybody else around me. And I want to keep doing this. And I know that sounds really pie in the sky and fluffy, but there are a lot of people in any industry that you name that you would think is kind of crazy that are truly passionate about that role because they have found that environment that I'm describing. Uh, right. And, you know, that's it, it, it's a challenge to do that, but it is possible. Yeah, it is. And, and one of the things is, as I sit here and say that I wouldn't have the agency and I'd keep the podcast, one of the things that keeps the podcast rich and agency intelligence going is that I work in an agency, right? right? I'm dealing with real time stuff all the time and able to put that out. So one does feed the other, but man, I have to tell you, um, yeah, uh, that is that is so interesting. I cannot believe those words just came up after I've never heard those words in my entire life. So amazing. So anyways, it's just how life is. And so what are some things that somebody can do to start channeling that stuff? I mean, is there I know this is this is probably not a short term game. This is something you have to mentally prepare for. Yeah, well, that's, well, that's true. But it, it's helpful to understand if you can understand basically what some of these intrinsic rewards are like generally what the, what they are. Um, so one of them would be straight up accountability, uh, which doesn't sound like it would be an intrinsic motivation, but accountability is basically that you do what you say you're going to do, which is how you develop trust in the people that you work with. Everybody wants to be trusted. I mean, I don't think I've ever met anybody that's like, I don't really care if people trust, me. you know, that <laughs> if they, if they feel that way, they're certainly not going to vocalize it. But, but one of the ways that you can foster Accountability is by having data displayed in such a way that they know that they've been accountable. You know, so goals are a very simple way of doing this. But um, we tend to, to oftentimes have goals that are too limited on just results. You can foster the same uh, sense of accountability on like in, if we talk insurance here, you don't just sell policies. I mean, you've got to make phone calls. You've got to uh, run quotes, et cetera. Every time you meet goals on those leading indicator activities, you're going to stoke that sense of accountability. And the thing about intrinsic motivators is that the more you feel them, the more you want them. It was like the more Michael Jordan won basketball games, the more mm. he wanted to continue winning. Mm -hmm. It's very different than extrinsic because extrinsic, you can reach a point where you've got enough money and you're not really willing to do anymore for more money. Uh, but that is true. I know people say mm -hmm. that, that that's a, uh, you know, incorrect thinking, but it, it, it's, it is. Oh, I think it's 100% right. Yeah. So um, that's one of them. Another one is a uh, very strong one is mastery, which is that you are good at your job. Uh, 
this is another one where we often define mastery so high up the totem pole that we rob people of recognizing their progress, which is another intrinsic motivator that you're moving forward in your career. And so once again, I talk a lot about using data to show that somebody's getting better at their job and not always just at the end of the year where you're waiting to see what their year looked like, but on a month to month or even weekly basis, how are your sales? How are your activities that are leading to your sales and show them that they're getting better? That has a very strong impact on people in sports. It's easy because you can see how many points you're scoring per game and you know your assists or whatever Point. it is. Um, but we need to do that same concept in, in the business world. Uh, contribution is, is uh, how you are able to assist and help other people. Um, insurance, we tend to we love the word independent, independent, independent. We're all independent, right? But we're, you, that we're robbing ourselves of a big part of what makes people tick, which is the ability to help others. So in organizations, if you could figure out ways that you can create teams so that people understand what their contribution is to those around them, people will often step up their game if others rely on them. Like I'm, I'm not much of a golfer. I'm more interested in how pretty the golf course is than I am in, in uh, actually playing golf. And so I don't take it seriously. I don't, I don't keep score or anything like that. But if you put me on one of these, uh, what do they call it? Best ball where, where you've got four people and whoever gets the best ball, I suddenly yeah. care. I want to contribute. Like I want them to use my, my ball at least twice, you know, during that entire game. You know, and that same thing works in the business world where people want to matter to others. You put them on a team in a way that their contribution makes a difference to other people and you will see their performance lift. And I can prove it mathematically because I have the data. Um, I can see what happens when you create a team-based element in your comp plan or your goals. Those agencies that do that have roughly 18% greater production than those that don't. Uh, now, I'm careful to, to say, no, I'm not telling you you're going to raise your production by 18% by doing that. I can tell you that agencies that do that on average have production is 18% greater than those that do not. Totally makes sense. Totally makes sense. Yeah. So it's trying to, um, to figure out ways that you take these concepts on what makes people tick and want to do better, to be a better kind of person. And then you have to think about, okay, but how do we do this in a business world? And how can we in particular use data to drive their decisions? Uh, so you're, you're not, it's not that you're holding it over their head. It's that you're showing them an opportunity. I mean, insurance, I'll give you a real simple example. I mean, insurance is legion with stories of agents missing out on uh, incentive trips or uh, uh, scorecard bonuses because they are one policy shy of hitting the threshold. 99.9% uh, .9 of the time that that happens, it's because they didn't know that they were shy by one policy. That makes sense. And so, by, you know, by having that data, you give them the opportunity to make a decision. Oh my gosh, I need to sell one more. Yeah, maybe it's selling a life policy to their grandson, but it doesn't matter. They have the opportunity to make that happen. Uh, Correct. That's what we often in the business world don't do a great job of. We, we talk a, a big game about analyzing data, but we often don't present data in such a way to the people that it really matters to who are making those daily decisions that are ultimately going to drive the agency. So here's the thing. I want to talk about the technology that you're using because here's the thing is that I think a lot of people want to do what you're saying, Seth, but we don't have the technology um, that allows us to be able to uh, capture that. There's a gentleman by the name of Tom, um, uh, Tom Baker. He owns Symphony, which he calls a talent 
a, a management system, a TMS, which is an AMS, agency management system. And he says that there's other large insurance companies, um, some of the biggest, that they use talent management systems or they use some type of that. And I think that's something that's lost in the independent world. I also think as the great separator, one of the books that I'm writing on part two of the customer services just foreplay is that I believe that in the future, we've always been able to be bad business people and get away with it because of renewals and other oh, things. Yeah. But I think I think that that day is coming to a halt, especially with data. I've said this for a while and you're emphasizing this, that being able to use data to enhance my staff and show them how good they really are or also show them how bad they are and why they probably need to leave right. is going to attract people to me that want to that want to have those intrinsic uh, views they would just feel like I just like winning I like helping yeah. people um, and then those who don't are going to go over to the agencies and they're going to create a totally different uh, genre of feeling a mood aura over there and sometimes I think that that will be the catalyst that will put a lot of these agencies out of business I hate to be mean but probably need to be because they give people like you and I, Seth, a bad name based on the fact that they're not taking care of the customer or they don't find a love in helping somebody, even though that's what we are. You get paid renewal because you know that you're going to constantly have to keep helping them. Even people like me forget that sometimes, especially when it comes to personal lines insurance. We're big commercial lines over here, Seth. But um, but uh, this is this – is, um, yeah, and this is this is really really interesting, and it's so awesome because you can tell that you're an insurance agent because of the way that you think and the way you're able to to capture this. So, if somebody wants to get more involved with Myvation and um, what I mean, what does this look like? So they reach out to you. Do you have an online course? Do you come meet with them, or do you just do speaking gigs? Tell us about that. Yeah. Brag on yourself a minute about what this is. Seth. Sure. Yeah. It it depends. Um, we we can offer. Uh, solutions for even just a single agency. Um, we have thousands of, of individual agencies that use our software. Um, we have uh, the ability for them to uh, get a demo of sales guys that take them through it. It's it's a, a model called SaaS, which is software as a service. And what's awesome about that is that there's no benefit to a SaaS company to arm twist you into buying something because you have to get you 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 make your money over the long haul of, of a relationship. So we always right. encourage people to call us because we can tell them honestly if what they're looking for, if we can accommodate it or not. If we, we usually can, but we can't always. And if we can't accommodate, we're going to tell you that. Um, but we also have very, very large organizations that use our uh, software, some of the biggest uh, in the country, frankly. And those discussions are obviously a, a, a bit longer. Um, but fundamentally, what we do, just so that people understand, because they're probably like, well, okay, but what do you do? Uh, we... Um, Enable you to pay very sophisticated compensation plans to subproducers. That's really where we shine. Um, we do daily activity plans so that you can see who's doing what and you can assign and you could have them do it for themselves. This, these are how many activities I want to do every single day. Why would you want to do that? Because our data shows when we've analyzed over 30,000 subproducers is that those who use daily activity plans have production is 30% higher than those who do not. Uh, so it's it's substantial. So that's a big part of it is on the compensation. It's extremely flexible. You can make one line contingent upon another line, et cetera, multiple thresholds, accelerators, you name it, we can do it. But on the other side, we have a gamification platform called Leaderboard Legends. 
And uh, that one enables you to create competitions based on any metric that you can track. So it could be based on service metrics, sales metrics, uh, policy, uh, premium production, policy production. You could have multiple metrics in one uh, competition. You can do them as, as, as short as a few hours. You could have it stretched for a year. But this thing keeps track of live updates. So for those who like uh, kind of a sporting sort of uh, environment, I mean, when somebody takes the lead, it flashes it on a big screen TV that that person has taken the lead. There's constant rankings. They can compare their stats with other people's stats. Um, this has been just in enormously popular. It's had a massive uh, increase in whatever it is that you put in this thing, you get more of. And uh, when we're tracking on many of our clients, very large clients where it's sustainable. I mean, we're, we're up by 21% in one organization on one of their key metrics. And it's, it's kind of fun. Uh, you can win chances to spin a prize wheel based on doing quotes. You know, so we, we try to track, we try to connect those business building activities that are going to move the company forward um, with rewards, both through intrinsic tapping into those intrinsic rewards and, you know, the ability to win prizes. Um, we also keep track of performance records, which is one of my favorite parts of the system because every agency in the country has a record for the most number of quotes done per day, the most number of policies sold per day, per week, per month. Uh, the, you name it, you know, most premium, it's there, but no one knows what it is because it's too hard to track. Uh, so we, we have these systems hooked up with an AMS system or a CRM system so that the data is coming in automatically and then it displays all this and you get the productivity benefits of having data displayed in a way that gets people to make decisions. Uh, it's very, very effective. And, and in this work from home environment, I think it's, uh, many companies are realizing mm -hmm. more than ever that the way that they've been evaluating work in the past is mm -hmm. shallow. Oh, they're there. They're at their desk. They are on the phone. No, that may or may not be work. It's those actual metrics that are what real work is. And that's what we bring to the table. That query. So, and so this is a, a system, I guess, that you used to maximize your own agency, saw results from it, said, hey, there's other people who want this, blah, 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 blah. Um, okay, that's fantastic. And it does hook up with management systems, yeah. the, the major management systems, applied Vertifor and stuff like that. Yeah, so each, each company um, is it's its own integration. We have an uh, integration layer. Now we're talking about stuff that that a tech guy listening to me is going to immediately know that I'm out of my depth here. Um, but I, I generally understand it to be that we have a layer uh, through which data passes and it, it, it normalizes it for our system. So it's uh, the, the tech people who work with it, there's a little setup involved for each new system that we bring on board, but it's not a big deal. Uh, even, a, even a custom system, a homegrown system that was used by one of our our clients, I think, took maybe uh, about a month for them to get that system hooked up. So, but you know, like Salesforce, these bigger ones, they're they're a piece of cake because they're designed. Okay, so do you have a Salesforce? Are you in the Salesforce app? We're not in the app store, but we have an integration with uh, one of the largest Salesforce instances in the world. So we're okay. taking okay. thousands and thousands of Salesforce transactions every single day. Okay. It, is it a true integration or does it happen through Zapier? Do you know? No, it's a, it's a true integration. It's not through Zapier. Because that's the thing. Uh, so our management system, Varuna, is built on Salesforce. Um, and it's amazing the things we can do. See, what's it's funny is, is you guys have some integrations into some of these management systems. But a lot of times when we run into companies or SaaS products like yourself, we can't, we can't integrate them truly with our systems. This is the reason why I went to Salesforce. It's so yeah. nice that so many of these SaaS platforms I go to, it's like, yeah, we integrate with Salesforce. It's like, oh, okay, it works. Um, 
it's something that uh, it's a major problem in our industry. You have a SaaS product that needs to hook up with that data and they don't release that data. And Salesforce is, um, is different. So I encourage most people out there. Most people know that Varuna is a big time supporter, um, sponsor of our, of our podcast. So anyways, um, Scott, wrapping it up, man. If someone wants to get back with you or wants to reach out to you, wants to talk to you because they like you, they realize that you don't have any hair and neither do they ensure a suit I won't. Uh, what, how can they get a hold of you? Uh, they can get a hold of me through um, my, uh, there's a cu- couple different ways. LinkedIn, I'm the only Seth Price on LinkedIn. Yeah. I'm willing to bet. Yeah. Uh, well, last name is spelled P as in Paul, R, E as in Edward, U, S as in Sam. Um, I also have a, uh, an Instagram account where I talk about motivational concepts that are a little bit edgier maybe than you would hear on a, on a more corporate environment. Um, or you can get a hold of me through uh, myvation.com um, through the contact us and, and they can uh, have me contact you directly. Uh, so Fantastic. yeah, a couple different ways there. Hey, Seth, appreciate your time. Leaders are readers and readers are leaders. Are you a reader? I am. What are you reading right now? So I'm, I'm like a lot of insurance people, I'm a bit ADD. And so I'm, uh, I'm reading three things at once, and that's a common for me. But I'm reading uh, Hooked, which is a book about how to design software in such a way that people want to keep engaging with it. And then uh, Willful Blindness, which is a, about how we manage to not see terrible problems that are right in front of us and ways mm-hmm. to recognize that you're doing that. That one's been fascinating. And then uh, I'm a big uh, fantasy buff, so I'm re- reading uh, Mistborn by uh, Brandon Sanderson. I'm rereading that, actually, but I really like that one. Really appreciate your time, Seth. I really, really, truly do. Uh, keep going, man. If there's anything else out there we can do for you, let us know. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk today, and I've, I've just had a blast. This has been awesome. Yeah, it was. This was this was really interesting. It's uh, so so crazy. Some of these things I've just been reading about in the last couple of days. It's almost like us doing the podcast last week was supposed right. to not happen, <laughs> so that I could do that. Isn't that how life happens? Hey, I, all right. I appreciate you, Seth. Thank you. I feel as if we'll get to know each other more. Hey, everybody, loyal listeners, thank you very much. I hope that I was able to bring some value to you because you know that I do what I do. I do it for you. Tell me your thoughts and tell me your ideas, and I'm going to tell the world what you have to say. This has been Jason Cass with Agents Influence Podcast. He's Seth. I'm Jason. We are out. Hey, agents, listen to this. Listen to this. What are we terrible at? Think of it. Think of it. Really? We're, we're terrible at training, right? We're not very good at hiring. We're not very good, terrible at firing, actually. Uh, terrible at creating process and some workflows. Terrible at technology and implementing that technology and even knowing what type of technology we want. And the list goes on and on. Now, listen, I'm an agency owner. And I, you know how it is to, to fix a problem. The first thing you got to do is you got to admit you have a problem. Here's what you do. Go to virtualintel.com. Check out what we do because we do all those bad things that you can't do. Really? And you may do one or two of them well. Good for you if you can do them all. Just want you to know you're in the minority. But if you can't do any of them good or you don't even want to do them anymore because it just takes too much mental power, then good for you for realizing that and give us a call. I'm telling you, virtual intelligence, that's what we do. And where we specialize in high quality VEs, not virtual assistants. Look it up. Go to ChatGPT. Put in what's the difference between a virtual assistant and a virtual employee. Enough said. I don't have enough time to go on and on about all the differences on this 60 second commercial, but you've got time to search it and look at it. 
That's what we do. We deliver high quality VEs. We mix the technology with it. We train them on the technology, give them and the technology to you, and you're off to the races. I'm not joking with you. You can call my agency at any time, ask for Lordland, and we do ask her, say, how fast are you able to do quotes? I've actually got a couple videos of it. That's right. We can do five to 10 carriers in one quote in three to seven minutes. So you give me an auto quote, I can do five to 10 carriers in three to seven minutes. How are we doing it? We're doing it through the technology of virtual intelligence. Give us a call, check us out. You can ask for me personally, I'll do the demo for you. Who are they? Cast certified.